0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law Well, hello, hello, hello I am Matt Williamson This is the Locked On NFL Podcast Last we spoke was Friday After Round 1 Before Round 2 Much has obviously transpired In the world of the NFL Since then Craziness And this is our um, This is what we're going to do about it Well, first of all we have a new sponsor too. We are growing and sponsorship is getting bigger and bigger on the lockdown network, particularly this podcast. And if you are interested in sponsor sponsoring or you know, getting involved in that too, let me know. But in a little bit here I am going to tell you about our new friends at away. They're a first place first class luggage unit and they sent me a, a one of their bags. it's unbelievable. I will tell you about that in a moment here though. but in the meantime, this is our plan for, these next two weeks, we're going to do five episodes a week, this week, and next week. We'll play it by ear after that. Each day, I'm going to buzz through a division. I thought I was going to buzz through two teams at a time, but that's it would probably be done in 10 minutes, and you deserve more than that each day. So I'm going to do the AFC this week, AFC East, North, South, West, and on Thursdays, we'll do go back to Twitter Thursday, so... Four of the five days will be divisional breakdowns from just draft only, um, with Twitter Thursdays mixed in. Rinse and repeat the NFC version next week. Um, So we'll have two Twitter Thursdays. The next two Thursdays will be Twitter Thursdays. The rest of those two weeks will be AFC this week, NFC next week, in terms of breaking down divisions, what they did in the draft, pretty much exclusively After that, who knows, but I already have gotten requests for We Need a New Power Ranks. Uh, Maybe we'll go through and talk about every team's biggest weakness at this point. Those are just a couple ideas. But I'm always up for more if you want to throw some my way. Um, (coughs) Just two little... Two subjects in terms of the overview of the draft that I sort of saw coming and one I really did not see coming. And the thing I did not see coming... And leading up to this, I told you guys over and over and over that if you have a third-round grade on an offensive lineman, you better take them in the second round. Or you know, there's going to be major runs of offensive linemen, and there weren't. You know, uh, we recognized that it was a poor year for offensive line prospects. I mean, that's undeniable. But people didn't reach for them, and I thought they absolutely would. You know, a lot, a ton was spent in free agency teams like the Bengals and the Giants did nothing at the position and my initial thoughts and my reaction to that is either they're going to pay for it heavy, you know, they like those two teams in particular, they they're loaded with skill guys now but they have no blocking. So they know that, you know. I mean, I, I didn't reveal something to the Giants and Bengals that they don't know. Um so are they going to scheme around that and and initiate more Spread like college principles and ask less from their, uh, from their their offensive linemen than ever. Get it out quick. Everything's just quick rhythm. Um, to me, that's really the only option at this point. It's not like they think, "Wow, we we have a great offensive line. It didn't need fixing. We're not gonna blow people off the ball." I don't think that's what they're gonna do. You know, especially if you look at the Bengals. They they took they have Geo and and Mixon now. I mean, they're receiving type backs. Perkins is a receiving type back. So, I assume that's what they're going to do. But it shocked me that the offensive linemen were not a premium position. Um, What didn't shock me, and we knew this going in, was this was a really, really good defensive back draft. But 28 of the first 100 picks were defensive backs. I mean, think about that. I mean, they were good players. I mean, it wasn't like, man, they're really reaching on these guys. Like I said, it's a real high-quality defensive back draft, particularly in the second and third rounds. But they went like crazy. I mean, that's a ton of picks. Uh, you know, 28% of the top 100 were from corners and safeties. So, it shows you where the NFL is going. You know, I mean, I th- I've said this for a while. I think all of us that's listening, if you've been listening, you're a pretty smart dude in terms of NFL fandom. You realize that nickel is really the sub package, or is really the base defense in today's NFL. But I'm wondering if we can even get more and more, and this goes back to the, you know, it goes hand-in-hand hand with the the lack of offensive line attention. Is Dime going to soon become even bigger and bigger? You know, are we going to see six defensive backs on the field a high percentage of the time? I mean, is that number going to rise dramatically? I don't know. Keep an eye out. I mean, I like the one thing I think I'm pretty good at is getting ahead of the trends, you know. And I think that could be one of the next trends we see on defense. It might turn into seven on seven in your backyard. So, all right, let's talk AFC East today, starting with the Buffalo Bills, who <coughs> let go of Doug Whaley. I've met Doug a couple of times. He's a good dude. He grew up in the town I live in, Upper St. Clair, you know, Pennsylvania. He made his bones here in Pittsburgh, so you hate to see that. But not only that, but his entire staff was let go too. The whole front office, scouting staff, all those things. For those of you that don't know, I obviously went through this myself with the Browns. But your contracts run yearly. I mean, a year, a one-year contract basically starts and ends this day. You know, like like I said, I was hired the day after the Browns drafted Kellen Winslow, and my contract expired the day after we drafted Braylon Edwards and wasn't renewed as was the case with most of them most of them so you could say i wasn't fired but you know they brought in their guys but whatever um the bills obviously were their front office was let go i don't know this for sure but my hunch i mean i guess it begs a question of how much power did whaley have in the selecting of these players if ownership knew that he wasn't going to be back on monday you know i mean you're letting him go basically as soon as the seventh round's over so are these heavy mcdermott you know influence picks or are they heavy whaley influence picks my guess is the coach was the final say here and which would make sense you know he's the one that's gonna live with these guys but their picks were Tre'Davious white zay jones deon dawkins those last two were both second rounders and then they had to wait all the way to the fifth round for mike milano Nathan Peterman, and Tanner Vallejo. So let's focus really on these top three. And what's interesting to me is, in a McDermott defensive scheme, corner is not a premium position. You know, and we we have to preface this by saying, you know, the Bills had the 10th pick, and three receivers went off the board, boom, boom, boom. You know, Davis, Williams, Ross. And they probably didn't see that coming. And my hunch is if, you know, Ninety-nine percent of the time, they thought they could get a receiver at ten. One of those three, they didn't, so they traded out wisely, you know, and moved to twenty-seven and picked up some goodies in the you know the meantime um, from Kansas City, including their first-round pick next year. So whoever the new GM in, in Buffalo is going to have two first-round picks next year. So that's exciting. Um, but they didn't go receiver, and there really wasn't one to take at twenty-seven. But they took Tre'Davious White, and my thoughts with that are. This is a really good player. I mean, to me, he does belonged in the middle of the first round. Highly versatile, clean off the field, really good all-around player. But like I said, corner is not a premium position in this particular scheme. Still, they were really depleted there. So my, my hunch is, reading the tea leaves, they looked at it and said, well, we'd love to, a great receiver to be here at 27 or maybe even a tight end, but they didn't go that direction. So let's take the best player out there in Tredavious White. We lost Gilmore, and we just don't have much there, you know, and hopefully we'll get the other positions later, which they did, you know, in the second round. They took Zay Jones. I think analysts like Zay Jones more than I do, and that's fine. But he basically immediately turns into the starter opposite Sammy Watkins, um, there were questions about his speed. Highly productive at East Carolina. There were a lot of questions about his speed. And then he went to the Senior Bowl and kind of lit it up there. And then did really well to combine, including in his 40. So that, you know, he, he was one of these guys whose stock since his last football game. Rose about as much as anyone. So I get it. I mean, I, I mean, that's fine. They absolutely needed him. I would think they're going to count on him for immediate production. And something i've talked about for a while is they've had right tackle issues for quite some time and some you know look at Deion dawkins and think of him as a guard and that's probably his best situation but i would imagine you start him at right tackle and see if he can do it if he can great if not you move him to the interior where there's much less of a need but you would think you know that there's going to be some carolina-like principles with Tyrod Taylor carrying the ball quite a bit in a Cam Newton-like fashion. Um, You know, big bruising offensive line with a Dawkins type certainly makes sense. Um, And lastly, you know, the status of that passing game is interesting too. I mean, Taylor is very much a see-it-and-throw-it passer. I mean, and so therefore they ask their receivers to win a lot of run-on-one routes you, you break open, Taylor sees it, releases the ball. He's not an anticipation guy. He's also a de- very good deep passer. Um, but they drafted Nate Peterman in the fifth. And if you recall, too, they also drafted Cardell Jones about in that neighborhood a year ago. Jones is the big tooled project where Peterman, I think, is a nice fallback here. I mean, the worry is how well could he cut the wind in Buffalo in December or in New England or in the Jets, you know. That area of the country doesn't lend well for his, you know, weaker arm. Although he played a pit, but still it's different, obviously, in the NFL level. Um, But he's safe. You know, my hunch is they're not married to Tyrod Taylor. That ideally they're going to look to replace him in the future. Maybe with those two first-round picks next year, you move up and you get your guy or whatever. Maybe that comes in next year's draft. But I think you look at Peterman... And I think that's the style of quarterback this group would prefer as more of the anticipation guy, the smart move the chains, you know, technician quarterback. And my hunch is it'll be a a sign of things to come of what they're looking for at the position as Taylor's replacement down the road. Uh, We'll see. But in the meantime, he's insurance. I think Peterman will be a long-term number two. So there you have it. I mean, uh, Good work. Also, people that are doing great work, and I mentioned them at the beginning of the show. One of our new best friends are the people at Away. Away, it's a first-class luggage at a coach price. And I mentioned that they sent me one of their pieces of luggage. You know, and they actually have nine colors of different luggage and four sizes. They have the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, or the large. You know, for, for extended days or whatever. And they sent me the carry-on. And it's really nice. You know, I mean, I gotta say, my luggage is a disaster. And that was a very welcome, welcome gift. And you guys remember, me and the fam were in Florida, you know, just a couple weeks ago. And, you know, took a break, a week off of Locked On. Um, but man, I wish I would have got this before, I, before we went. I mean, just one little feature that I think is ingenious for these guys is they have a USB port on the luggage itself. You know, so I forget which airport we were in because we went from Pittsburgh to Detroit to Tampa and then home we went from Tampa to Atlanta to Pittsburgh with a stop each way. And at two of those airports, I remember going nuts trying to find a charger for my phone. If I would have one on my luggage like this, you know, with the away people have, I'd have been thrilled. I mean, so that is a tremendous idea. Uh, I like that a bit. That is definitely my favorite, you know, piece of the luggage. You know, a new idea that I never would have thought of. It's really neat, though. But but all the suitcases are made from a German polycarbonate. I mean, it's it's really they're really strong and impact resistant. And you see that immediately when it shows up to your door, too. It's like, this thing looks like a heavy... Like, it's, I should be carrying, you know, $100 bills in it. Like, it's uh, this big, heavy... I forget what they call those things. You see them in all the movies, you know, to, to protect your you know, to be coming in a brine truck. But it's really light, and you still get the same protection. For you know, these things get beaten up in the cargo, <coughs> you know, portion por- of the planes or whatever. But it's really neat, and they got these 360-degree spinner wheels. It's a really smooth ride. I was fiddling with it. The kids were having fun with it. Um, and, and then they have these washable laundry bags that you can remove, that you can keep your dirty clothes separate from the clean i'm kind of a geek on the road um i always try i always used to take like a plastic garbage bag with me and put all my dirties in there but this system works a heck of a lot better um and i told you you know the the best part about it is the the usb cord which you can just charge before you you know before your trip or from your hotel room or whatever stays charged forever it's great so this is what you do you you go to you know if you use my promo code for the people at away you go to awaytravel.com and you can save 20 bucks off a suitcase, which is awesome. They're already a great deal. So go to awaytravel.com slash L O N F L. That part's really important to save your 20 bucks. Awaytravel.com slash L O N F L. And then there's going to be a promo code setting there. Hit, you use the same one, L O N F L, when you're checking out. So that's great stuff. Um, again, I, I can't say enough about it. You must check out our friends at Away Travel. They are doing a tremendous job. We hope to have a long-standing relationship and make this uh, podcast more worthwhile. They are doing fantastic work. Again, go to awaytravel.com slash LONFL and use my promo code LONFL. Now, keeping with the theme here in the AFC East, we got the Miami Dolphins. 22nd pick overall, they took Charles Harris. Raquel McMillan in the second round. Cordero Tankersley in the third. And then in the fifth, they took Isaac Asiata, a guard from Utah. A defensive tackle, Davin uh, Goldshocks. I know it's a, a French-sounding name from the Bayou. I don't pronounce that well. Vincent Taylor in the sixth. Another defensive tackle, Isaiah Ford in the seventh. And Isaiah Ford in the seventh. Go watch his highlight tape, man. He can go up and get the ball. I, he was one guy that I was shocked was still around that late. But the first three picks in the draft, they addressed each level of their defense, all of which needs you know, a, a quite a bit of attention. Um, let's just talk about their defensive style here for a moment. Uh, it's a very Philly Eagles-based defense, so the closer you get to the ball, the more priority they put on those positions. Um, they, they're not a real scheme-the-heck-out-of-you type defense. Uh, A lot of zone coverage on the back end. A lot of four-man rushes. They put a premium on defensive linemen, as you can see with what they've done in free agency, um, and where they're spending their money, and where they're spending their first-round pick. You know, Charles Harris brings some youth, obviously, to that unit that who knows how long Wake's going to be around, gets to learn from those guys. Immediately should see plenty of playing time, even if it's just in passing situations. Um, The linebacking unit, Needed to get younger as well. You know, they signed Lawrence Timmons. Obviously, he's not a spring chicken. Um, McMillan's kind of the throwback. I don't think he's an every-down player, but he's a thumper, a leader, get-everybody-aligned, base-down player. Maybe he develops into more as a coverage player, Um, especially particularly after Timmons moves on. Maybe he gets to that point. But a real solid pick there. Uh Tankersley also is a guy that I did not expect to last until the 97th pick overall. A lot of ability. Can play man, can play zone. Looks like you want a corner to look, you know, long and lean and fast and, you know, long arms, press corner type body, but transitions well. Um, I think Mike Mayock said, well, I know he said, but I, he said something along the lines of, I've never seen a corner who likes tackling or playing the run Less than Tankersley, so that maybe adds up to why you lasted 97 in a very defensive back rich class. So not exactly a tackler or a run defender to say the least. Kind of thinks he's Deion Sanders, which he isn't. So therefore, you become a third round pick. But you can see why they would want to attack each level of their defense. They're already pretty good at safety. Um, you know, they they added some more depth, which is highly needed with two different type guys. Uh, on the defensive line. Well, Actually, they're not all that different. They're both penetrators with good size, those D-tackles, and maybe the developmental players. That that made a heck of a lot of sense for them, too. Um, so, you know, and Taylor had a really productive season in 2016 for, for Oklahoma State. He was kind of an unknown guy for me, but learning more about him now, I, I like that pick. And, again, the only thing they did on offense besides the Ford selection that I mentioned was they signed Isaac – or they, they drafted Isaac Asiata – um, as a starting guard, I would imagine right away. Even I mean, I know he's a fifth round pick. This was a player I became aware of because Greg Cosell was really fond of him when he watched him. A masher, a very much a big body guard is a huge need for the Dolphins. I thought they could even go there in round one. Um, so this is a this could be a home run. But this could be a real nice pick for them. Um, we'll see. You know, we'll see. I mean, it's he's a fifth round pick, but uh, it could pay off. So two down in the AFC East. It brings us to your Super Bowl champion, Patriots. They only had four picks and didn't pick until the 83rd pick overall. But, oh, by the way, they have Brandon Cooks and, you know, Coney Ealy and, yeah, they still have Malcolm Butler. I mean, I don't think anybody's crying for the Patriots, especially because Derek Rivers and Antonio Garcia really fell in their lap, you know, at 83 and 85 overall. They also took Derek Wise in the fourth round and Connor mcdermott another offensive tackle uh from ucla in the sixth round and some people are high on mcdermott i expected him to go fourth round or so so these four picks i thought were all very good value um i've talked a lot about the patriots you know that to me their weakest position was edge pass rush but they don't prioritize it like other teams do they look for size and bulk and um, of course, I'd love to have Lawrence Taylor von Miller, but when you pick 30, 31, 32 every year, they don't get those guys. But Rivers is a very flexible um, high end potential edge pass rusher that might not be an every down player for them ever. Um, but certainly worth the risk at 83 and maybe even contributes day one, you know in, in, as an edge guy, you know just or just as a passing down player. They're not a big blitz team either, you know. So they, they need to get home with those guys, but they stress coverage more than they stress pass rush. Um, so this was great. Garcia's is one of the few guys in this draft that could project to being a typical uh, NFL starting left tackle. You know, he has that those kinds of abilities from a you know also from a small school Troy. Um, Nate Solder's getting up in age. He's not cheap. I would think that's somebody that they don't need to pay a whole, you know, they're not going to pay him what he could get somewhere else. Uh, I would think that that stay in New England might be coming to an end very soon. In the meantime, Garcia can offer a sixth offensive lineman, you know, and we've seen the the Patriots use a lot of six offensive line sets. He could upgrade that spot right away while he develops. So again, these are home run picks for, you know, where they got them near the end of the third round. Uh, wise is yet another edge player for them, um, to, you know, come in and hopefully get something out of with, 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 uh, you know, uh, with rivers, he was really productive too. I mean, he has 15 sacks over the last two years. So, uh, he might be a, a steal there too. And like I said, I expected McDermott to go earlier. So they had four picks and they took two positions, edge guys and tackles. I mean, uh, uh, I think we all know that the Patriots know what they're doing and, Uh, That comes around again, but again, only four picks. It's not like their roster's got a ton of room to accommodate these guys either, you know, to bring in 10, 12 picks. So I would imagine there's a good chance these four all make the roster. And if one tackle develops and one edge guy develops, that's a lot out of this class, especially when you consider, you know, you got Brandon Cook, so by the way,
1: are participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends ten thirty one seventeen.
0: 17 Unlike the Patriots, the Jets are a team that needs everything. Like the Patriots, they concentrated in a couple areas. You know, their first two picks were safeties. Their next two picks were receivers, wide receivers. Their next pick after that was a tight end, which is another form of receiver, Obviously. And then they went edge, running back, and then two corners to end the the uh, their picks in the sixth round. Didn't have a seventh round pick. Um, but, uh, again, they needed everything. You, you got to know this scheme. Todd Bowles is a very Arizona-like scheme. You want, you know, cover corners. You ask a lot from your safeties. You want very versatile players, and they want to get a lot of defensive backs on the field. So, these first two picks make sense, you know, and... Especially Jamal Adams. I mean, Jamal Adams, you hate using the word safe, but he's as safe a prospect as you're going to find. Um, I like that pick a ton. They'll use him all over the field and man coverage against, you know, tight ends and running backs and the slot and deep middle, and he'll be all over the place, brings leadership. Uh, I can make the argument that he's the second best prospect in this entire draft. To get him at six was also value. I would have ran the Adams you know, card up to the podium immediately, so I assume they did the same, who knows, May's a little bit more of the in-the-box type, but I'm sure they'll blitz him a lot, maybe they see some Tony Jefferson in him, you know, as a near-the-line-of-scrimmage, nickel linebacker, blitzer, play against tight ends, quality prospect as well, again, this makes sense. One of my favorite picks in this draft was Ardarius Stewart, Stewart, the wide receiver from Alabama. Big physical guy. I mean, he's not huge, but he's a physical-style player. In the Golden Tate, you know, maybe Anquan Bold might be a stretch. <coughs> Mold, you know, he's not going to – he's not a, a finesse player. He's good after the catch. A lot of ability. And you, as you can imagine, you know, in, in Alabama, they didn't – get the most out of him in terms of production considering how much they run the ball and all the miles they have to feed and the quarterback situation so it's sort of an OJ Howard situation but it wouldn't shock me at all if Stewart sees immediate playing time and really pans out for the Jets long term uh heartbreaker Devin Smith is out for the year again yet yet again another injury that I always liked him coming over Ohio State but I think that ship has sailed uh, Decker's not going to be there for the long haul, and still could you know be a trade candidate, and then you know get more picks going forward. So they need receivers, and I think Stewart's a really nice get here. I'm not so excited about Chad Hansen. He's okay. I, I don't have a problem with him. That's for sure. Um, again, fills a need. There's no question about that. There's mixed opinions on Leggett. There's certainly talent. You know, and they certainly need a tight end. There's no question about that. Chan Gailey didn't use a tight end, so when this new you know group of offense coordinator, you know offense coaches came in, the cupboard was pretty bare at this position. Uh, Leggett's kind of runs hot and cold. He he doesn't he's not real nasty, but he he does have ability. You'd like to see more consistency. You'd like to see a little more fire. But you mean this is the the fifth round, this 150th pick overall at a need position, and you're adding ability, and, and you know there's not a lot in front of him on the on the depth chart. Fine. Uh, Dylan Donahue is an edge guy. That's a position to need. Elijah McGuire uh, is probably a special teamer slash third running back. I, mean, you know, I would think he makes the team. Jeremy Clark from Michigan, the sixth round, is an interesting player here too because uh, he's 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 long and he was playing well, you know. But then he got injured. So what do they care? You know, I mean, he's a productive player from a big school that got hurt, but. Jets don't need him right to second, so maybe he pans out for them. Um, Overall, I thought it was a quality draft from them. You know, they they need a ton, but they really addressed their secondary, particularly safety, obviously, and their receivers. You know, they stressed the small guys in this draft. Fine. You know, I mean, it's not like the the offensive line could be ignored, but you can't have everything. Um, So it looks like they're going to go with Hackenberg or maybe Petty, but give those guys a shot like I hope they would this year and see what they're at.
1: At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last, minimum three items, exclusions apply. Offer ends 103117.